It's Friday on the BWI Daily Edition. You've got your paycheck in hand. Now let's get some of that fun money and put it to good use. Ryan Snyder's best bets coming up at the end of the show. Ryan Snyder, our recruiting insider, is here to give you that information in recruiting, some big news potentially coming up this weekend, and of course, Ryan Snyder's best bets, where to put your money this weekend on college football so that you can, you know, spice things up a little bit. Ryan, happy Friday. How are you doing today? Doing well, man. Excited to be back. Went uh, four and three. Really should have been five and two. But isn't that what every uh, degenerate says, right? You always pointed <laughs> yep. to one game you lost. So, uh, hey, we won. We won money last week. That's important. We're at five hundred on the year, and uh, we'll we'll get back to it. Uh, we'll talk about it a little bit more at least uh, later in the show. But there's some there's some you know good good recruiting news I think to to hit on. So let's let's start there. Yeah, and I'm interested in in your take on some of these uh, pretty big lines that we got coming up later in the show because that is one thing we talked about last week, and I'm interested to see where we're going there. But yeah, uh, you put in a crystal ball prediction this week, a uh, future cast. Future cast, future get it ca- right. It's a future cast. <laughs> yes, I, I, it's in the title. It is in my brain as both, you know, because it's just the one of those things. Uh, the future cast for a Penn State target that we've talked about a couple of times. So tell us what is going on this week uh, in Penn State recruiting where you felt you were ready to move on to the next step with a Penn State recruit. Yeah, Joey Schlaffer, man. I, I should have put this pick in probably weeks ago. Uh, honestly, just kind of forgot about it. I, I meant to to do it. Uh, here's the game footage. I was just at this game a couple weeks ago, and I meant to kind of do it after that and kind of just forgot. So uh, when, when we learned a couple days ago that he was coming up this weekend, uh, it just kind of reminded me to, to get that pick in. So uh, he's on commitment watch every time he's on campus, period. Uh, will it be this weekend? He hasn't quite said, but I will say that I do believe some families coming up for this one a little more than normal, I guess you would say. So that – that intrigues me. Um, and then also we've seen these game day commitments uh, now what for three of uh, or no, was it with uh, Matthias and Lamont? We've seen it for a couple games is my point. So, right. uh, you know, just that's kind of a trend we have going here. And uh, it seems like Penn State likes that trend and it, it would make a lot of sense to, to see it happen again. So um, will it happen? I'm not 100 percent sure on that, but uh, I'm getting the pick in and uh, we'll probably prep a story to play it safe. Uh, I always you know, our, our subscribers know I always prep stories just kind of don't ever want to get caught with your pants down kind of situation, you know. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we, we will have that ready to go and we'll be watching him very closely around uh, 11, 11, 15, you know, when, when the guys are out there on the field during pregame and uh, be curious to see what happens at that uh, handshake at midfield. So uh, Joey's a heck of a player, though. You saw uh, that last catch there, man, was an awesome play. Yeah. I uh, was on fourth and twenty something, and he makes this awesome play over Aiden Martin, who's a who's going to be a Division one player at Governor Mifflin as well. Um, you know, was really impressed with Joey. He's not much of a blocker, you know. He's more mm-hmm. of a big tight or a big wide receiver than anything yeah. else. But uh, you know, he he can definitely make plays. And you know, once once he um you know just continues to add muscle and get bigger, there's there's a lot of ways that he can be used in this offense. So. Uh, will will he be a commit this week? We'll see. But I do think regardless of whether it's Saturday or not, uh, it's just a matter of time. I mean, he's Michael Menich's younger brother, a lot of family ties here, grew up Penn State fan. I mean, I could go on and on about why this makes sense. So I, I, I will agree with you. Uh, and by the way, he uh, you're not the only one who's doing some prep work. I've been uh, looking at some film here uh, just to see what uh, Joey brings to the table. It's interesting. And uh, if he commits, you'll be getting a bunch more of this in T. Frank's film room. But I've been watching his film this week. And 
you know when they take a, a superhero and all the all the guys that have played like Superman, and they they mold all their faces into one AI generated uh, Superman character. <laughs> that's kind yeah. of what that's kind of what Joey reminds me of. As if you smushed all of the recent Penn State tight ends together, you get Joey Schlaffer. Is uh, he mm-hmm. is a he's somewhere in between. Uh, Mike Gesicki and his skills as a receiver and some of the physical abilities of a Pat Fryermuth, but he's somewhere in the middle. Like if you just smooshed all the Penn State tight ends, there's a little bit of Theo Johnson in there as far as his his receiver abilities. Um, but I'll say this about his blocking. I'm encouraged and I, I'm, I'm uh, optimistic because some of the, the building blocks are there. I think technically he's quick. He can get around players. He can get technical blocks, kind of more so than the domination ones. And then mm-hmm. uh, his pad level for a guy that is uh, pushing 6'6", six, 6'4", six, six, to 6'6", six, six, somewhere in there. I think for a tall guy is what I'm saying. He's got really good pad level. He comes off low. A lot of guys, even if they get to a good pad level, they still step up. They still go up in their first movement. He mm-hmm. fires out low. He's able to get there. You just got to bring a little more uh, juice with it into the block. And I think that's something that you know they can work on uh, at Penn State. But yeah. If you just an amalgamation of all the other tight ends you've seen at Penn State, he's kind of right down the middle on all of those things. Good info. Yeah, I mean, he's and for the record, he's pretty much six five and a half. I mean, that's that's okay um, from what I've gathered. So we, you know, I, I'll round up when they're right in the middle there. We can't, I can't put halves into the rival system, so um, I'll, I'll round up over rounding down. We just expect guys to continue growing, you know. So that's kind of right. why I do that. But, uh, but yeah, he's basically six five and a half. Um, definitely needs to add some muscle. You know, I mean, he'll, yeah. he'll tell you that. I mean, he needs to to get to get bigger and, and into the weight room more. And he is, uh, he's, he's definitely from what we've seen in previous years to now, um, adding, adding good weight and yeah, uh, yeah, that, yeah. that'll only continue. So, uh, good, good player, great kid, man, good family. You know, this is obviously a lot of Penn state ties here, so we can go on and on about it. But, uh, Joey's Joey should be a Nittany lion, but it's Saturday. Yeah. Gonna have to check it out on the site. I don't know. We'll see. So that's now two tight ends in the class of 2023, right? I mean, as, yep. as they've been recruited, Matthias Barnwell yeah. and Joey Schlaffer. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I'll be curious to see if they I think they could add another, too. I mean, Nicholas Harbor is just this just gem we've talked about with. with I mean, yeah. he's, a, he's a rare sprinter, uh, you know, running. Uh, what was the number? I think it was like a 10, 10, three or something like that that he did this year. But he, he could be a DN. I mean, I don't really want to include Harbor and in, in the tight end talk. But yeah. when I ask the kid what he wants me to list him as, it's tight end. So that's why we discuss it. But uh, a defensive end is definitely possible there. And I think maybe. Um, long term, that would be his best projection. But Neo Avery too from Good Counsel is another player I don't want to uh, sleep on because uh, Avery makes a lot of sense. He's a guy that Penn State's been high on for a long time too. So a third tight end is definitely um, possible in this class. And if you want to take a an amalgamation of all the superheroes, I think Nicholas Harbor kind of looks like the Flash when he plays football. So it all ties together. <laughs> I mean, that dude is fun to watch. Uh, so mm-hmm. the tight end position, I think, is really interesting given uh, the storylines going on in the Penn State football season right now as far as their production currently, but also the track record so far under James Franklin of finding those guys. So how has uh, Ty Howell been doing? I know the family ties with Joey are one thing. And his, I keep saying Joey because I'm afraid of his last name. Schlaffer? 
Yeah, Schlaffer. Yeah, Schlaffer. I, th- I believe so. Schlaffler. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure if it's Schlaffler or Schlaffer. I think it's Schlaffer. I think um, so too. But like people have said, like it's similar to laughter, if that makes sense. So that's I'm going with Schlaffler. Okay. But, yeah, it's. I, I, first, how I was has saying, how like, has Schlaffer and all these other things? So like Schlaffler, just we'll go with that. Okay. How how has uh, Ty Howell been doing with the Exeter Township tight end and that position in general? As he is now the the lead guy at that position after being the graduate assistant, stepping into mm-hmm. that role now. Well, and having him as a graduate assistant is actually a big part in this, just because uh, obviously Ty has a lot of ties to uh, Michael Bennett. So, you know, there was a good family bond there. But but the one thing Joey really hit on was that, you know, when Bowen left, uh, Joey became one of Ty's like first targets. And and Joey was kind of open about it in a previous interview we did about how um, it was one of the first relationships he built. And, and Ty kind of, I want to say like taught him how to communicate with coaches or whatever, but it just like, it was good that they have a, a bond from previous you know ties with his brother and whatnot because it, it kind of you know showed him the ropes a little bit i guess on you know how how it works in building relationships with coaches and i, I think that uh you know is another reason why this helps but uh this would be i mean you know matthias barnwell yes he's currently you know committed and 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 um you know he's but he's been around for so long i guess is what i'm saying so yeah. like to yeah. me like this would be like ty house like first big this was Ty's commitment, um, you know, where, where Matthias is at too. I mean, uh, Jaywan Slider has some some roles there as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Ty's done good. And I, I think Ty's kind of got under the radar with Jerry Cross being committed uh, already and, and the room being stacked. So his what we've seen from him as a recruiter hasn't quite shown up yet. But, you know, he's, he's having a big impact. Um, you know, I think it's uh, – so you do the private schools or the public schools in Maryland? I forget which one, but because uh, Poindexter does the opposite then. There's so many public and private schools in Maryland that are right. great. But he's doing a great job in Maryland. I've talked to coaches about it. I know Penn State's really happy with, you know, how he's done on the recruiting trail. So, and Ty's, I mean, anyone who's gotten to know Ty, it's, it shouldn't surprise you that, uh, you know, he, he would be a good recruiter. He's just a, a genuine guy, a lot of fun. You know, he's um, just just an easy person to, to talk to and relate with. So, uh, this would this would be a big pickup for him, and I expect many more to to come in the in the future. It's a it's a position where Penn State right now has uh, some flexibility and depth in the class of 2023, and in the room in general. I think that that's a a positive sign. I'm always interested how this works too when it comes to the positional recruiter, and then from the offensive coordinator. What are you looking for? So that that dynamic has interested me as well. And do you think that there's anything? Uh, is there anything to that, I guess, is my question when it comes to does does Mike Yersich dictate to Joey uh, all the way down to a guy like Joey Schlaffer of what he's looking um, for in a tight end? Or is it more of what the team is finding as far as talent? It's the and whole ability? staff. Okay. It's the whole staff. I don't want to pretend like it's Yurchich saying this guy, this guy, this guy. Go like it's I mean, Yurchich is really more so. And the same with Brent Pry, like out of all of Penn State's assistants, the coordinators do the least amount of recruiting. Okay, Mm -hmm. like they really kind of focus more on team stuff. Uh, So it's more so just, you know, it really starts with the recruiting staff, you know, the you know, from Andy Frank to Kenny Sanders and all those guys like they they really are the ones kind of doing a lot of the evaluating uh, the kickstarting of the process. And then, you know, the staff picks it up from there. They see what they like. But it's it's really a whole staff thing. I mean, pretty much the whole offensive staff will watch Joey's tape and, and and, you know, give their opinions on whether to pursue him or not. So it's you know, I, I can 
really add i can't really add much more than that you know it's just, <laughs> no, but that, that, so that, that's, that's kind of how it works that's i think that's important to to know that it's it's not just ty howell it's not just no. uh you know it's not from a top down it's really the whole staff approach which i think has been a, a penn state uh, staple which is has been an interesting thing and as you mentioned in this recruiting process has helped keep some stability through coaching changes uh, another mm-hmm. position where we're monitoring some things from what you've told us in the past uh, Josh Miller he's been on campus a couple of times now we've talked about a couple of times I think tell us more about him because this is an interesting situation to me he's a three-star in the rival system but he's being pursued by a boatload of top programs what's the story mm-hmm. with Josh Miller yeah, so um, 6'6", 323, Life Christian Academy. I'm not quite sure he's 6'6". Uh, I'm looking to try and get a, a more accurate measurement out of him when he visits this weekend. I'll definitely be asking some some people about that. So, uh, But yeah, Clemson uh, that definitely seems to be the the top competitor here for Penn State. In, in my opinion, you know, Clemson and, and Penn State seem to be the top schools. North Carolina is in the mix there as well. Um, we can go on and on about like – who else like Texas A&M is offered Tennessee, uh, Michigan state, Kentucky, Maryland, Florida state. Uh, but, but it really feels like Clemson and Penn state are the two that separated themselves. And he's planning to make some sort of an announcement on November 2nd. To me, I get the impression that he wants to commit, but uh, he's kind of hedging there. And if he's not completely ready, uh, he won't. What I'm really curious just to learn is just kind of where he ranks on Penn state's board and Clemson's board, because I see a quality player here, but just he's again, he's probably going to be an interior guy, which is why I say I don't know if six six completely accurate. I, from what I gather, Penn State likes him more as a guard, and it's just mm-hmm. the interior is just so heavy in this twenty twenty three class. There's there's just a ton of guys that they're high on, and um, you know would would fit well. So just where exactly he fits is something I need to learn on still, and and then you know that could impact whether he were to actually make a, a commitment on November second or not. But coming back here this weekend, it would be his third visit since the summer. Uh, he and his teammates participated in the seven on seven big man challenge at the end of June, and he came back for an unofficial visit uh, July twenty seventh. And now this would be his first game visit. Uh, I believe he's been to Clemson twice now as well. So as I said, you know I think Clemson's a big big player there too. So just kind of getting a feel for where he ranks. That's that's what I need to figure out before mm-hmm. I would. You know, put a future cast in for either team or, um, you know, just to gauge and actually if he's going to commit or not. So it's interesting when I see a guy on film that plays right tackle for his team that's being pursued by a uh, university and he's not a, a sophomore or a freshman, you know, somebody who's still growing in the position. Maybe you have another guy who's at left tackle. Uh, so he plays right tackle uh, for his team and is big on film. Like, you know, I, I agree with you. If he's being pursued for the interior, is he 6'6", but definitely a big physical presence, which, again, we've talked about before. I wouldn't be surprised when we get some of the more measurables on him if his length, his arm length, isn't 33-plus. That seems mm-hmm. to be really what uh, Phil Troutwine is looking at when it comes to offensive linemen is power and size and arm length, all of those kind of prototypical things. And then, you know, if they can be technically good as a pass blocker, that's seems to be more of the mold they're going for uh, as we move forward into more of the guys that he's recruiting. So I'll be interested to see any of those numbers and all of those numbers eventually when uh, we get them on Josh Miller. But a guy that Penn State clearly is uh, is pursuing so far, be an interesting thing to hear what comes out of this weekend. And you, of course, will uh, give that to everyone at bwi.rivals.com and on the message board, all of the uh, information there as well. There is uh, a mailbag up because it's Friday, right? 
It is. You you should know it's Friday. <laughs> I'm here every Friday, aren't I? <laughs> I know. I, I just like it, sometimes it, the the days blend together when you work from home. I will be I'll be real with you about that. I'm like I had You've double been doing it for a decade, man. It is. I know. I, yeah, this is. I I'm not even through year one, and sometimes I forget what day of the week it is. So yeah. Well, uh, is there anything uh, quickly that you want to touch on as far as what people can check out in your mailbag? want to make sure that they go to the site and they check out the full thing, though. Yeah, so, uh, listen, I've been getting questions for ever really since USC, you know, on just how these rumors are going to impact James. So I hit on that a little bit. Uh, to, I mean, I'll, I'll get into it. I mean, I just, if James Franklin leaves Penn State, it's going to be before December 15th, the early signing period, because it, I don't see him going anywhere else other than LSU or USC. Um, those schools present the kind of buy-in that he wants at Penn State. So that's why those two are intriguing to me, more so intriguing than in previous years. So I'm still not quite in the boat that I think he's actually going to leave. I, I still think he stays and is really just kind of continuing to fight the fight of uh, improving facilities here because that is that's what this is all about. This isn't about his contract. You know, I know people talk about assistant coach money and stuff too, and you know that can always improve. But that has improved substantially in recent years. We don't have all all the numbers privy to that, but just from talking to people, I, I feel like that's not as much of an issue anymore. It's really just about facilities. They got Lash updated or, or coming, uh, but Haluba still needs a big update. Uh, yeah. Beaver Stadium locker room needs a big update. There's there's other things too that that can always be done. And you know, with with LSU and USC, those are the kind of schools that. They'll get you those updates a lot quicker than Penn State has. And, oh, by the way, they'll throw 20% on top of it, too, because they're just football crazy, and, and they'll put in those extra those extra things. I know, like, fans always talk about, like, oh, look at USC. You know, there's there's nobody there. You know, th- there's no fans there. Well, yeah, it is a bit of a fair-weather fan base, but the the board there, the, the you know, the, the university as a whole, the donors, I mean, they are investing heavily into, into uh, USC football right now. They had a major upgrade uh, at the – What's there? The Coliseum, I believe, is the stadium yeah. name there. That yeah. was in recent years and, and some other things as well. And then LSU is just LSU. So LSU. to get back yeah. to the point. Yeah. So to get back to the point, though, it's just a lot of people are like, well, are these rumors going to impact the class? Well, no, the rumors aren't. I mean, these kids have access to Penn State. They have access to James, everybody. Uh, they, they talk about it, I'm sure, regularly. The What would impact it is just the fact that I, I don't see any world where USC and LSU don't have a head coach in place before that early signing period so they can, yep. you know, make sure that they they lock down the players they have. I mean, LSU still has eight quality rivals, 250 players committed. Uh, USC has a handful uh, themselves. So just that's with them making moves early. You know, they're, they're, they're making those moves early for a variety of reasons. And, yeah. and one of the big ones is to, to get a coach on board uh, by early, early December at the latest. So that that was a big talking point. And then one of the other ones was really um, decommitments and just kind of the talk around that. I know that was something you and I were going to talk, talk about. So yeah. let's just kind of get right into it. Uh, there was some talk this week about Jordan Allen going to Old Miss uh, for an official visit this weekend. And one thing that kind of went under the radar a little bit was that Jordan Allen took an unofficial visit to LSU, I believe, two weeks ago. So for the most part, now listen, Jordan Allen's not going to Old Miss now. Penn State talked to him about that. They kind of nipped it, and, you know, he's not going. But from what I was able to gather, that visit was more so about seeing LSU than Ole Miss. I don't know if that's 100% the case, but that that was yeah. a part of it. Um, yeah. it's, it's not a coincidence that they're playing the team that he grew up pulling for, which is LSU. So my point with this is just that 
if a new staff goes to LSU and it's not James Franklin, of course, do they offer Jordan Allen in, in the, you know, the days leading up to the early signing period? Because if they do, sorry, I got this itch right here. Uh, <laughs> if, if they do, I think there's a real chance that he could flip uh, the Penn, you know, what Penn state right. was to so many fans watching this is what LSU was to him growing up. I mean, that that's kind of always been his dream school. So that'll be something to absolutely watch. Uh, but right now I'm not too concerned about Ole Miss. It's really just if the new staff at LSU were to pursue him, then yeah, keep an eye out on that. And then just one other guy I want to mention quick is Cam Miller, um, the cornerback out of Tristan or Trinity Christian Academy. He did pick up an or, an offer from Florida. Um, believe it was late last week, early this week, I believe. Uh, Florida has to start winning a little bit more. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, Mullen's yeah. under the gun a little bit, so I'll be curious to see. But it's still, I mean, that's his hometown school, basically. You know, he's he grew up not too far from Gainesville, so. It is something to watch. Uh, whether he visits or not, you know, Cam doesn't talk much, so I'm not going to pretend that I have a feel for what he's planning to do. But it's certainly something that we will do our best to keep an eye on. I've already talked to our Florida guys about that, so please give me a heads up if, if they see some movement there. So Cam makes sense to, to keep an eye on for. Jordan Allen makes sense if LSU comes pushing. But aside from that, I mean, it, it seems like a pretty – pretty firm class so far. I mean, Zane Durant went to UCF for a game earlier in the year. I don't believe he's gone anywhere else. He did come back to Penn state. So seems to be good there. Josh Scott or Josh Scott, John Scott just went to his game this past week, uh, last weekend, you know, so that everything went well from there from what I've gathered. So, I mean, it seems pretty firm man. it's just, yeah. it's all about obviously um, James sticking with the program. And I think he will. I, I want to, and, I want to go back to that conversation quickly because I, I want to I want to make just one comment that the assistant salaries were just the first part of what you talked about of the commitment to football and the commitment to making sure the program is competitive. You don't have the people in the building that are going to uh, help elevate the players and help get them where they want to go and help the program on the field. That's I mean that's step one, right? You need to have the right mm -hmm. people in the building, and then you're going to focus on the building and i think that's just people kind of because they relate to the money right we all relate to money because we all make money we all think about money we all have that in our lives so when you see that that's a, aha that's what it is but you know i think i think you're right that that you have to have the commitment in all areas to being competitive which means you are competitive in all areas and i think that's important uh and then i wanted to flip i, I want to flip this on its head because we mentioned the guys and the decommitments from Penn State, but I have noticed over the last couple of days, maybe a week, 10 days, that there have been decommitments for high four stars from Florida State, guys from uh, from who the, LSU, Florida State, Florida was another one, and uh, I threw USC on the list because they're obviously without a head coach. Now, I don't want to bring those up, LSU and USC, for the James Franklin reasons. My point is, to your, to what you said, if James Franklin stays at Penn State, are there any guys on the radar for 22, and how would that have to shake out for Penn State to maybe be interested in one of these high four-star decommitments to come and be a part of a already loaded class? There's no room. <laughs> like okay. I, we can keep going on about this, but like yeah. there's no room right now. You know, it's it's still. I know Penn State would love to add some of these guys, and sure, but I mean they're 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 at their max pretty much right now. Uh, I want to get Jay Sean Barham on board. Yeah, maybe they can pursue somebody. I've heard nothing of that so far, though. So I, I don't. There's not a whole lot I can add to it. Now they will always. 
you know, in the past, they've always been trying to flip guys and, and top targets. So, you know, you certainly can't rule it out. But uh, as of right now, man, it's just it seems to me that 2022 is all about trying to get Jay Sean Barham on board and then keeping the guys that they have. So you know, the only way I could see it is if, if, if other guys decommit. And, right. you know, as we just hit on, I just I'm not seeing that right now. And if they do decommit, it's probably because, you know, they're they're worried about James leaving or James has left. So not much I can add other than that. All right. I I just wanted to ask because I know that there's a that's I just know that that's how people think, right? Well, they see something out there and like, oh, there's a thing we should get it. And there's some reasons why maybe you wouldn't do that. Uh, so that's yeah. that's I mean, really I'll say this. Like there's no there's I haven't really seen anybody decommit who was intrigued with Penn State to begin with. You okay. know what I mean? Like not. Yeah, not, I don't know. That's the other thing I wrong, wanted but, to you know, read the room about like, of the ability, like the interest on both sides like of any of these guys. Jaden Gould, of course, like he's committed to USC, you know, Penn State was very interested in him. We thought he was coming to Penn State and then he kind of surprised all of us the night before he announced publicly that he was going to USC. So like obviously with him being a New Jersey guy, that would kind of make a little bit more sense. But he seems pretty firmly committed and isn't going to make a move yet. And then, uh, like I said, I mean, the guys who have decommitted in recent weeks, it's not like they came up to Penn State before or even had Penn State among their top three or four. So until until one of those guys kind of emerge and, and makes Penn State really think because, you know, that's a guy they have a previous relationship with and they know he was on campus and has a lot of interest, you know, that then there doesn't seem to be much to, to focus on. Jay Sean Barham remains the guy. Emil Wagner, of course, is still very much in the mix. Um, and we will go from there. I will one player I will mention I haven't talked about a ton is Anthony Smith from Shippensburg. He's committed to Minnesota. Uh, Brent probably did go see his game last week, and that was one I was kind of keeping quiet. I mean, mm -hmm. I put it on the board and, you know, for, for everybody who subscribes, but publicly we were kind of keeping quiet just because I wanted to see uh, first if he made it there and then two, just kind of the reaction from that. I mean, Anthony came up and had a really good camp in the summertime, and that was a big, a big thing. Um, and, and it left a big impression on Penn State. So keep an eye on that maybe moving forward. But, you know, they just have, I think, bigger positional needs other than defensive tackle. But He's, he's intriguing, and, and Penn State doesn't ever want to let top players leave the state. So this is the BWI Daily Edition, but you have the monthly edition of Blue White Illustrated, the magazine proper. Check out the November issue of Blue White Illustrated featuring Penn State's dynamic duo in the secondary, Jair Brown and Jaquan Brisker. BWI also gears up for winter sports with an exclusive Q&A with new head coach of Penn State basketball, Micah Shrewsbury, and a preview of the Nittany Lions wrestling lineup. Our wrestling fans will be ecstatic for that because wrestling season is basically here right now. Learn more at bluewhiteonline.com or by calling customer service 800-421-7751. Don't stop there. Of course, subscribe to our YouTube page, youtube.com backslash bluewhiteillustrated. Hopefully you're watching the video on there right now so that you saw the Joey Schlaffer highlights and you're going to see my awesome graphics coming up later. Ryan Snyder's best bets, which we're getting to right now. But make sure... You subscribe. Here we go, Ryan. You ready? Let's do it. All right. So here's our list of games this week. Uh, where do you want to start on this list as we go through the overall uh, view of the season? Like you mentioned, 500 of the season, four and three last week, a good winning effort from you. So thank you very much for all your insight into this. Which game do you want to start with? We'll just start at the top, you know, all right. um, and we'll, we'll just roll through it uh, as it's presently constructed. So... With LSU, Ole Miss, okay, minus nine um, at Ole Miss, actually. It's up to nine now. So okay. I, I don't have a lot of interest in that. Uh, I have interest in the under 77, and okay. here's why. 
So we've seen these high over-unders a couple times this year for Ole Miss in SEC play. Uh, Ole Miss, Tennessee was 82 last week, fell substantially under. Alabama, Ole Miss, 79 and a half, fell substantially under. Yeah. Matt Corral is supposedly banged up a little bit, so I'm curious yep. to see what happens there. Um, I think he plays. I think Kiffin was kind of just doing some gamesmanship more than anything with that. But um, does he play the entire game? You know, that's something to keep an eye on. But the main main reason I like the under here is that LSU is, is starting to kind of run the ball pretty well, uh, and they have to run the ball here if they're going to keep Ole Miss off the field. And that's that's the big thing because you know Ole Miss is going to have the tempo. They're going to move the ball quick. Yeah. Uh, Ole Miss's defense, though, man, they ranked the 120th in the nation in rushing success rate. I mean, they can't they can't stop anybody on the ground. Uh, running back Ty Davis Price, he he's getting it going, man. I think um, let me see the stats here: one forty-seven against Kentucky, two eighty-seven last week against Florida. I mean, LSU absolutely has to run the ball here. So, yeah, um, I, I think they try and keep Ole Miss off the field as much as they can. They grind the clock down. This feels like a 35-27 kind of game to me, uh, which which you know we'll, we'll keep it under that total of seventy-seven. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'll just I'll keep playing these old Miss unders all year because it feels like the books are just kind of shooting a little too high for me. Yeah. Um, now, you know, well, now a I lot of that's that, based this will, on this will be the one that goes over. A lot of that Go is on. based on Ole Miss's offense and not necessarily and and their defense, right? So it's it's based on the ability they can't stop anybody. But uh, I thought they it can't. was a. I thought it was a good point in the Alabama game that they they brought up that like Ole Miss is built to stop a spread offense. They don't have the ability to then morph into anything else. Like they are still, when it comes to I guess the the personnel up front, they're still behind some of the top SEC programs, which most places are. That's the that's the brutality of playing in the SEC. So is that playing into the over under uh, for this as well? Of like you know maybe yeah. some of these teams aren't necessarily as offensively as adept. I think that's why it's so high. Yeah, I mean that. They, I mean I think it's more so just that they see two poor defenses here, especially with LSU having so many players. I mean, both their cornerbacks are out now. Um, I think that's kind of what they're seeing here. But Ole Miss has some wide receiver injuries, too, to keep an eye on here. So, um, you know, that could impact the way they're able to, to move the ball. But uh, just, you know, I keep just seeing – I keep seeing these really high over-unders with Ole Miss against um, – you know, decent SEC teams. They they played a couple lesser SEC teams that I think went over. But um, just this is too high for me. I, I, it's still SEC ball. There's still quality players on LSU's defense. Uh, that makes me think that, you know, they can keep Ole Miss from scoring 50 in this game. And if they can keep them from scoring 50, which I, I think they definitely can, um, this should go under because LSU is going to try and run the ball. They're going to try and milk the clock here because that's their only way of winning this game. So I, I think Ty Davis price goes for another 150 or so, um, you know, just steady three yards, four yards, six yards, you know, their LSU has produced a, a couple of associate plays in recent weeks with the rushing, but they're not elite in that category. So give me the under 77. I just, two years after having Joe Burrow and Joe Brady, and we were talking about four yards of carry for LSU. Whew. Life comes at you fast. Okay. Dude, LSU wasn't getting even that early in the year, man. Their rushing game was doing nothing. But now they're finally getting going a little bit. And, again, man, 120th in rushing success rate. or Yeah, 120th in rushing success rate for Ole Miss. They can't stop the run. Okay, they can't stop it. So, just, you know, sure, LSU can do as many four, five, six, six uh, six-minute drives as they want here uh, and keep Matt Corral off the field. So. Uh so we'll go to Oklahoma State, Iowa State, and Iowa State getting a touchdown at home. What are you looking at in this game? 
Yeah, giving a touchdown at home. I'm sorry, so giving I, a I, touchdown. Just to clarify, Iowa State's, yeah. yeah. Um, I, to me, there's just there's a big advantage here. Um, so, like, when I look at Iowa State's defense and Oklahoma State's defense, they're pretty similar, um, you know, just statistically and, and, and different metrics. But Iowa State's offense is substantially better than Oklahoma State's offense. Uh, and, look, I, I, Iowa State should have beaten Baylor. You know, there was a kick return in that game that flipped it on its head. You know, I think, I think people are really kind of down on Iowa State because they have two losses already. Uh, you know, they – they what was, it? what was the number? They out in, – in, Yards per play in the Iowa Iowa State game, they outgained them two yards per play. Iowa State to compared to Iowa, so th- there there yeah. were there were there were a lot of reasons to to feel good about Iowa State going in that game. I had Iowa State against Iowa. I remember that. So um, and of course, you know, it lost, and this is degenerate me like finding excuses on why it lost. But but <laughs> right. my point here is is Iowa State's offense was offense is, is is pretty good and just Oklahoma State has just been getting lucky all year now man there was that botch call in the Boise State game that gifted the riff the ref the win that was another one I had on best bets so don't get me started um you know Texas was about to go up 24 to 3 on them last week and give Oklahoma State credit you know they got a pick six that really flipped that game on its head but I just I just see an Oklahoma State team that is just you know yes give them credit they're winning games but the they're on the clock. Like no way they can continue this uh, w- with their offense struggling as much as they had. I mean, also one other thing, Spencer Sanders really struggles when he's getting rushed. You know, when, when a quality pass rushing team faces him, this is the best. This is the best pass rush he's going to face so far this year. So, um, you know, I just I see an Iowa State offense that is has a real advantage over Oklahoma State's defense. Um, and you know, like I said, Oklahoma State's defense, Iowa State's defense, they're both quality. But when I compare those two offenses, there, there's a real um, a real advantage there with Brock Purdy and Brees Hall. So uh, give, give me the Cyclones minus seven. Now, I will say that this game in years, I think it's going back like six, seven, eight years, has been like pretty much a one possession game every time. So um, that that was the one thing that gave me pause. But just so many other things point to point to Iowa State winning this by 10, 13 points. So I will roll the dice with the Cyclones giving seven at home. I wanted to throw this up again because uh, this number stood out to me. Yes, we're wrapping up Oklahoma State and Iowa State, but Oklahoma, Kansas here. I can't believe you. I, I can't. I can't imagine you're going almost forty points with the Sooners. Is that what you're doing here? Of course, <laughs> of course. Have you watched Kansas? Have you watched Kansas, man? I mean, it's almost so forty points. I, I mean, Dude, I they're agree. They're going to win by fifty. Well, yeah, by 50. now they got the quarterback situation okay. presumably sorted out. Here's all here's all you need to know. Kansas hasn't covered a spread all year. Okay? They've had <laughs> other spreads like this all year. Mine, you know, getting 30 something against other teams. I, I wish I had them in front of me. But they, this Kansas getting 30 points is like not anything new. I mean, this happens regularly on a weekly basis almost. Uh, so, yeah, I will. I will take it with it with first off. They're rolling right now with Caleb Williams. This is yeah. a different offense with him. Uh, the kid is playing great, and and Oklahoma always crushes when they when they can crush. You know, like they don't take the foot off the gas, just like James Franklin. You know, when he he doesn't take the foot off the gas, if, if uh, you know if if he doesn't ever take it off. Let's just yeah. be honest. I mean, when he can run it up, he will run it. And Lincoln Riley is the same exact way, dude. I see this being fifty something to. 14 maybe i mean i i or not no, actually that i guess if it's 50 something 14 it wouldn't cover but 50 to 50 <laughs> to 10 you know just some, yeah. somewhere in that ballpark they they will they will cover this i i feel good about it man oh until kansas covers a spread i i just don't 
I don't see it happening. And Oklahoma's defense, like, look, they've been down a little bit in recent weeks, but there's, there is real talent there compared to previous years. And they're playing just a completely inferior team. I mean, there is, there is nothing about Kansas that, that says they should be a power five program. So yeah, I will lay 38 and a half because I think they're going to win by 48 or, or more. What's the biggest favorite you've bet this season? It's got to be close. This is, there, it'll there be this. A, this will well, be there it. was the Florida. Florida Vanderbilt was like 35, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and they covered. So, yeah, I'll <laughs> lay it. I mean, just whenever I see these 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 teams that, uh, you know, have shown me nothing. I mean, Kansas has shown nothing. They haven't covered a game all year. They're 0-6 against the spread. And, and now I'm going against Lincoln Riley with a young quarterback with something to prove. And, oh, by the way, if they put in Spencer Rattler, you know, he, he's got to pretty much debut for wherever he's going to end up next. So, right. Although, right. I don't even know, like, will they play Spencer Rattler because of that whole situation? Does it does it make things worse? I mean, I guess they probably will. They'll get up big here. But just, you know, having him come in and mop up duty, you know, does that work? I don't know. So right. I just I see I see Oklahoma scoring on 80 percent of their drives. You know, maybe they'll, they'll let up a little bit in the fourth quarter. But by then they should be up well over 40. I imagine if he so, doesn't, yeah, I imagine it. if he doesn't get in, you'll be hearing the uh, transfer portal uh, light up. You'll be hearing the transfer. Uh, I need to get a transfer portal sound effect so we can play that during the show. <laughs> but you'll be hearing that he, if he doesn't get into the game. He he will absolutely be gone. I, yeah. I don't see him going to the pros yet. So, yeah, it's just yeah. a matter of time. He'll be a good teammate and stick out the season. But, uh, yeah, he'll be gone. Here's an intriguing one. I don't. I genuinely don't know what you're going to be doing with this one. Clemson at Pitt. Pitt getting uh, the home field advantage, uh, Pitt minus three. What are you thinking? I'll give you a guess. Okay, so Pitt minus three, mm-hmm. Clemson plus three, or will I do over under 48 and a half? What do you think? Just what would be your guess? I'd go with the over on this one. Because eh. no? Under. Oh, under. Okay. All right. Under. Hey, man, this, this is a major step up for Kenny Pickett, okay? Yeah. Like, like he's been playing well in recent weeks, but Clemson's defense is still stacked with talent. Um, we've seen Pitt in this role in the past, too. Like, like Narduzzi gets very conservative when he's playing teams with better talent, okay? So, I, yes, Clemson is down, no doubt about that. But I, but I still think Narduzzi knows that there are um, disadvantages for his team. He has to. I mean, if he, if he doesn't, then, you know whatever but but i just i see another pat narduzzi kind of getting a little conservative uh in a big game moment and clemson's offense can't do anything so until they show me that they can they can put up points i mean they almost lost to syracuse the other week the guy missed the field goal uh or or syracuse would have upset them uh and the pace of play between these two teams very slow i mean Mm -hmm. neither of these guys are, are running it real fast so yeah i will take under 48 and a half i think that's too much i see pitt I see Pitt winning. Uh, I do, which I never would have thought that uh, a handful of weeks ago. Okay, then. Um, but I, I, I don't, I don't know if they, if they'll cover three. So um, I, I think this could be you know twenty one twenty kind of game maybe. But uh, yeah, I'll take the under. I, I just I feel good about the under here. So I, I I feel like this is an unfair question, but what's happened? I haven't been paying attention to Clemson this just year. Just like the question I just asked you, by the way, giving what's... you four <laughs> options and you were doomed to never answer that correctly. But go on. Uh, what is, what's up with, with Clemson this year? I feel like Dabo Sweeney has bought himself a down year, but like is, uh, Uyunglele not the guy? What's going yeah. on with their offense? That's Uyunglele is not the guy. I mean, that's yeah. just, I can't pretend I watched a lot just like you, you know, we're incredibly busy on Saturdays. Uh, so I can't pretend I've, I've really focused on them a ton, but just from what I have seen, um, yeah, this guy is completely overrated. So I, sorry, DJ, if you're watching, 
Doubt you are, but I uh, mean, he's on Doctor Pepper commercials, so I think he's Good okay with where where it got him. But yeah, I I tend to agree. That's I don't know that, if he's going to be getting NFL contracts, so you know, yeah. get that money while you can, buddy. <laughs> uh, so we'll go on to the next one: Wake Forest at Army. Wake Forest, um, giving up three points Undefeated. on the road here. Undefeated. Yeah. What Undefeated. are you looking at? Undefeated. And not going to have it anymore, man. I'm going with the Army, man. Black Knights. Okay, so Wake Forest allowed 354 yards rushing to Syracuse the other week. They allowed 208 yards rushing to Louisville the week prior. I mean, they, this defense cannot stop anybody on the ground. And, and Wake Forest is terrible in these situations. You know, as a road favorite in the last six games, they're 1-5. and five. Um, and, and look, when, when you're an offensive team and you're playing Army, uh, it doesn't end well. Uh, we've seen yeah. this before in the past. It, when you rely on your offense and, and your defense is the weak point, Army's not going to let your offense on the field, man. They're going to just slowly, methodically drive down the field. Uh, one other thing with, with Wake Forest, they're 90th in the nation in stuff rate. And stuff rate, of course, is, you know, keeping uh, you know, what, what's what's that? Is it under three yards for uh, for rushing? Yeah. You know, yeah. ba- basically, something. basically, if you if you allow uh, under the average, you've won that down as yes. the defense. Exactly. So they're not they're not doing that at all, which tells me Army should be able to pick up four or five yards here consistently yeah. um, throughout the game. And then a big thing here is Christian Anderson, Army's quarterback, is expected to be back. Uh, he didn't play their last two games. They lost their last two to Ball State and Wisconsin. I had that Ball State Army uh, game a couple of weeks back I, um, in, in best bets here. And I wish I, I didn't know the quarterback was going to be out um, or I wouldn't have ever played that, especially as I watched it. I was like, oh, no, I'm doomed here. <laughs> so um, I didn't know the quarterback was out. So sorry about that, guys. Should have known that. But uh, but yeah, Anderson's expected back now. They they have they've been a much better team uh, with him because he can he can actually throw it a little bit when they, mm-hmm. when they have to. I mean, so uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take Army at home here. This is just Wake Forest is kind of on the clock. Uh, this is a this is a situation where they don't fare well. Um, they did have a bye week, so I, I would think it would help them a little bit against uh, the triple option. But again, man, 354 yards against Syracuse says a lot to me. Now you got to try and stop uh, stop Army. You know, this I just don't see it happen. I, I think Army wins this outright. I was actually debating on just playing the the money line here, uh, but I'll take the three points and, and play it safe for best bets. So last game is our featured game of the week. As always, we end with the Penn State game, Illinois at Penn State for the Generations of Greatness homecoming game. Uh, Penn State minus 23 and a half at home, which I would say, is there a prop bet for Sean Clifford playing in this game? But I think it's just the line. I think that's just the line. That's the prop bet. So what are you thinking about in this game? So I listened to you and Nate yesterday, Mm -hmm. and you guys don't think Sean Clifford's going to play in this game? So I don't. I do. th- th- this is where I wanted. I very this, much do. This is where I wanted to go with you because yes, I we talked we talked about what you had to say about this. So I want to hear what you have to say. You know, I know you were paying attention in practice, and mm-hmm. w- what did you see on Wednesday, and what makes you now, so look, feel so strongly about that? What's the best way I put it without getting in trouble? Um, <laughs> no, I'm just um, I, I just think John Clifford's playing, guys. Um, uh-huh. I, I think he's been. I, I don't think James is been completely honest about splitting reps in practice. I think from what I've gathered, there is an advantage and Sean Clifford is getting definitely more team, more first team reps than everybody else. So um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Um, I'm not, you know, pushing all the chips in saying Sean Clifford is absolutely going to play. But uh, from what I saw on Wednesday, uh, you go back to his little Instagram the Monday after the Iowa game and it kind of hinted that he was going to be okay. I think personally, 
They may have had some x-rays done that day, maybe, and they learned some good news. Again, not true inside information, just in my head there, but that's kind of, I'm adding things up. Oh, by the way, there's one other thing too. This is somebody I trust. Chris Felica, the bear on ESPN, has now gone on two straight podcasts this past, over last week and this week, saying that he expects Sean Clifford to play against Illinois. That guy's connected. Um, you know, I'm not saying he's some super insider or anything like that, but um, anybody who's connected high up in ESPN's college football staff has information that the local media, us, we're not privy to. So, and I don't know if James Franklin and them know that he's put that out on his podcast in recent weeks, uh, but he's he called it last week that he thought Sean Clifford was going to play against Illinois. And it totally caught me off guard. I put it on yeah. the board and I was like, oh, wow, this is interesting. Because I, I thought Clifford was going to be out possibly for Ohio State too. Yep. Well, that's where we all were oper- this- that's where we all were operating from. Yeah. He doubled down again this week and said that uh he believes Clifford's gonna play. He didn't completely go on and say it's happening, but he thinks he is. So, you know, I, I saw him at practice the other night. Um, yeah, he's maybe not hundred percent, but I kind of think he's gonna play in this one. Now, with that said, my pick is actually the under because I do believe that Penn State just wants to get this win and get the hell out and, yeah. and get to get to focusing on Ohio State. Illinois is averaging just, um, you know, 17 points per game. Penn State's defense allowing 14 points per game. You know, even if Sean plays, I could see him getting pulled early. I mean, there's no reason, you know, Penn State gets up 20. I know James Franklin, like we were just talking about how yeah. James likes to keep his foot on the gas. Well, there's ever a week where you can kind of get out of that. Uh, it's this week. And then, of course, if Sean doesn't play, how the hell is Penn State going to, you know, get over 46 yeah. points against the Illinois team that can't do anything offensively? Um, the only way I see that is if, you know, they play the backups on defense, too. This so, is a first to 17 a, game. I, I, yeah, I, I see. Yeah, I don't see. I don't see Illinois getting 17 points. So uh, I, I I think we'll see uh, somewhere in the 20s, 24, 7, maybe 27, 7. That's why I'm I'm, I'm not going to take the the uh, the spread here on this one. But uh, I just I can't see Illinois, like I said, getting the 14. I, I can't see Penn State. I can't see Clifford playing the entire game if he does play. And and if that happens, I just, you know, we, we already saw. I, I think Roberson's better than what we saw against Iowa. I truly do. I think he was in a really tough position there. But I, it's not like if either him or Veyu came in that they're going to light it up and, you know, have three touchdowns on, on five drives. So yeah. I, I will take the under here. Like I said, 27-7 is kind of my thought with this one. Um, but my main thing is I think Sean Clifford's going to play. So on that part, I'm very slow to come off my priors and everything we saw in that game. The fact he didn't come back into the game. And yes, the the Instagram posts and everything have been very positive the whole time. But if you're if he has the injury that we all expect and we all you know speculated that he has. That's the thing. We're you're all not speculating. Gonna, right. Uh, but you're We're not all going speculating. You're not going to see any obvious signs of. I think pain from him specifically because he's such a tough guy and you're not going to see any like I it's it's not a shoulder injury because he hasn't been in a sling at any point. So I can't see like anything in the non throwing shoulder being a problem. So, yeah, it does kind of throw it up in the air. But what we had kind of heard and felt and feel felt around with, I'm just slow to come off that seeing him at practice. I'm always conservative when it comes to. bold project predictions projections things like that or projections as i said just now uh but i wouldn't be surprised if he plays like yeah the psychological games this week have gotten me completely turned around but that's not surprising i about that i am that's easy to do to me i highly doubt 
Kinnick Stadium has an x-ray machine in there. I don't think they do. I don't think any of these college stadiums do. Okay. Yeah. I think they held him out because they thought he had cracked or broken ribs. Okay. Because yep. yep. I think it was clear it had to be a rib injury. The way he was walking it had to be a rib injury. Yep. I think when they got back here, they realized it was just a deep bruise. And that's that's genuinely what I think happened. I don't know. Uh, I do recruiting and I do not risk <laughs> I do not risk losing uh, recruiting sources over trying to dig for that stuff. I've t- you know, anybody on our message board knows that, um, I, you know, I'm incredibly grateful for the, the people who work with me on recruiting. So I don't, I don't risk that stuff. Yeah. My impression is that's what happened. I, I think that they were worried that there was something more serious there. Uh, he wasn't, you know, he, just the way he was walking the sideline. I mean, it wasn't, you know, like he was wrapped up or anything. I mean, like he was still able to move there. So, so, I've never had broken ribs. I've had, you know, my dad has, I've had friends who have, I mean, when you really break them, you can't even really walk. So, you know, the fact just, just looking back at it all now, it makes sense that they were worried about something more. They learned on Monday that it wasn't, you sit them out the bye week you let them rest. And then, you know, once we roll around to this week, um, you know, his bruised ribs, which I think they may have been, are, are maybe now healed. And, and hey, maybe he won't even play. But it's definitely clear to me he's going to play against Ohio State. He's not yeah. out there Wednesday if yeah. that's not going to happen. So that's know, where Penn I State wanted to land because that felt safe. That felt safe that oh, if that's he's practicing happening. Wednesday, he's definitely playing against Ohio State. That yeah. was that's yeah, where he's... I wanted to hedge my bets there. But, yeah, you've already convinced me. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's not that hard to convince me of something. Yes, I, I your we're evidence all fits but right when we're speculating your evidence all fits into a very logical timeline so mm-hmm. i'm in you've convinced me tomorrow the, the whole we're talking about sean clifford playing in this game yeah i think so and and maybe um you know maybe penn state will take the conservative route but they don't normally do that and they they want to play their starters it's kind of like the talk you've had with Hannafin before about sitting guys like they don't like doing that they want to make sure their top guys are playing um so you know, maybe Clifford won't be 100%, but if you can get him in there, you can get an early lead, you can pull him, and you can just run this clock out. One other thing I will say is that um, Illinois' rush defense is not good. I mean, they're yep. they're allowing 188 yards per game. If Penn State can't get the ball running a little bit in this one, then they, uh, then I think there's real problems going against Michigan and Ohio. I mean, even Ohio State's defense isn't great, I know, but I, I think there will be problems in, in those upcoming games, including Michigan State. So they they need to get a run game going in yeah. this one. And um, and they do because the, the Illinois defense, the, the strength of the team in general is the secondary from what I've seen of they can do some things. If Sean Clifford doesn't play, they can disguise some coverages. They can throw some things at a young quarterback that he hasn't seen before. That can keep the game close, but if Penn State can't run the ball against this defense that is playing a nose tackle that looks like he's 275 pounds, I, that's my problem with, and I know I've said this already on the show today, and I've mentioned this on the message boards, and I'll one last time. If you're the defensive coordinator and the head coach, you get to choose the situations you put these guys in. So if you don't have a nose tackle, don't run a tight front. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't throw that on them. That's your decision. Yeah. So Correct. that's... Yeah, <laughs> that was funny this week. Felt bad yeah. for those players, but whatever. Yeah. We good? Anyway, yeah, let's I'm, run it back. Let's, yeah. let's review them. Let's go. I, I had to get All off right, my guys. rant, so here we go. Here's your All list. Right. Give, me give the, it to me. Give me the under seventy-seven in LSU Ole Miss again. We've just we've seen these really high numbers in these Ole Miss games against somewhat quality opponents in Tennessee and Alabama. Both of them fell under. I'll keep playing it until they don't. And, oh, by the way, LSU's starting to run the ball a lot, so I think they can keep L- or Ole Miss off the field um, at least a bit more than what I what I thought a couple weeks ago. Uh, Iowa State minus seven, uh, just 
I just see a clear advantage for Iowa State's offense here. Uh, the two defenses are pretty comparable. And just Oklahoma State's just been getting so lucky in so many games this year. I just think that luck's about to run out. Uh, I see Iowa State winning by 10 to 13. Um, with with this Oklahoma-Kansas State, Kansas game, look, if you don't want to play it, that's fine. But Kansas hasn't covered a spread all year. So until they do, I'm going to keep betting against them. Uh, give me the under 48.5 in Clemson Pitt. I just I think Narduzzi gets conservative. I think this is a major step up for Kenny Pickett. And until Clemson shows me they can do something uh, on offense, I'll, I'll play the under here. Uh, Army plus three against Wake Forest. Wake Forest is another team who is due to lose a game. You know they allow 354 yards against Syracuse. They're one in five in their last games as a road favorite. And uh, you know Army has their, their starting quarterback back. So back. So I, I I think Army can outright win this if you're going to play it. Um, Sprinkle some money on the money line. And then give me the under 46 in, in Penn State, Illinois. I just Even if Sean Clifford plays, I, I, I think they, they really want to establish the run here and, and do their best to just get out of here with a you know 14 to 21-point win, maybe 17. I don't know. But the, the, over, or the, the spreads is a little bit too high for me. Um, but, but I think you know this is a 27, maybe even a 31-7 kind of game. But uh, I'll take the under 46. Here you are giving Penn State fans all kind of good news on a Friday. Uh, they're going to, you, you give them a future cast this week (laughs) and you tell everybody and you convince even me super conservative to ever change, you know, drastically on something based on one thing that Sean Clifford's going to play this week. So it's going to be a great weekend for Penn State football. (laughs) We're definitely seeing Roberson out there running out, but we'll see. Uh, we'll find out a little bit during pregame. I'll be curious to see what they do during pregame if they, if they show much there or not, but, uh, yeah, I just I think I think we've all been speculating for a long time now, and you know, it, like I said, it, it made sense that they would held him out if they don't have X-rays and they can't do all that stuff in the stadium. You got to play it conservative, uh, but then when you get home and you realize, oh, they're not broken, they're not cracked, they're just bruised ribs, it changes everything. That'll do it today for the BWI Daily Edition, our recruiting insider and our Blue White Illustrated Sharp Ryan Snyder, joining us today as always. Thanks for coming on the show. Love ending the Friday. I love ending the week this way. I uh, enjoy it too. We're, oh, by the way, I'm going to see Bo Perbula, Kenny Johnson tonight. I'm really excited to go see uh, Bo. So should be a fun time. That'll be a good one. Be looking for highlights from that next week on our YouTube channel from Ryan. He does a great job uh, covering all the Penn State recruits and the games in the region. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr of the BWI Daily Edition. And of course, our post game show after Penn State, Illinois, 15 minutes after the final whistle. Don't forget to check it out.